Boz has spoken. Welcome to the Land of Boz with Jeff Bosley. And welcome to the Land of Boz for November 3rd, 2022. And it begs the question. Where have you been? Cause I never see you Are you for me? Yeah. All right. Where have I been? Well, I'm looking at the show notes. The last time I did a show was January 7th. And so just uh, just under a year ago. Um I'm doing this show currently from Nebraska, and I'm still working in Atlanta and Los Angeles, still doing auditions and the whole actor shenanigans, but as I round near, getting near 45 years old on this planet, I'm kind of trying to figure out what matters, balance on our deathbed, what's going to truly matter. And uh, I met the woman of my dreams. She has her dream career, so what kind of person would I, would I be to not um, adapt to her location needs? Uh, because mine are very flexible. So uh, her location was Nebraska based on this dream job of hers. So I moved here. We've started a life. We have a house, garage, dog, two cats. Yes. Um, For those who know me, I hate cats, but I love animals. So I don't really know what that means, but I love animals, hate cats. And we're living our life. I'm slowly getting acclimated. We've only been here a couple weeks. Um, we already had Halloween. We got the Halloween decorations up and down and we're just trying to get our groove, you know, at my age and at her age, she's younger than me. Go Jeff. Um, we've lived a life. We have a lot of history in our own lives and in our past relationships and in our past lives. And we're just merging those together. Anybody who was, uh, dated or lived with or remarried after a long history of relationships knows that, um, there's a lot of kind of deprogramming and, um, and, and things that need to happen to start the new life. And so we're doing all that. Um, none of that is negative to say. Um, but you know, it, it is a process for anybody. Um, we're not 18 anymore where everything's nice and fresh and full of flowers and, and dazzling a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) We have a lot of stuff that we have to deal with and a lot of stuff we have to, uh, discard and start a new life. Betty and I joke, um, you know, it's not just a new chapter in our book. Um, it's a new book and we are crushing it. We are a perfect team and, um, just, yeah, that's the short version. Um, my house is still for sale in Atlanta and, um, you know, I love this place. I was actually driving to, um, get some tools today. And as I was driving down the side street, I was thinking to myself how unbusy the roads were. And it reminded me of my hometown in Pocatello, Idaho. And it was very peaceful all of a sudden. You know, I was working outside wearing a jacket or coat and a beanie. And, you know, I really do miss the seasons. And so if I can find a way to balance this Hollywood shenanigans with the peace and solace I'm, I am I get by living in a town that is much more me, um, so be it. Uh, so I have an agency in Los Angeles. I have one in Atlanta. I have a manager that's, you know, international. And I actually just submitted today for a local Omaha agency. So I don't plan on stopping um, with, 
and upside of the COVID shenanigans was uh, everything is now online. Uh, The days of in-person auditions are few and far between. And for the ones that do happen, you know, um, I will be slowly getting my financial shit together after the move, especially once my Georgia house sells and I can afford plane tickets like a grown ass adult. And then I can mitigate those trips as needed. Um, I just had, I think three major auditions in the last two weeks that had nothing to do with where I lived. So, you know, nothing's wrong, nothing's changed. And so that's the short version as to where I've been. Um, I will get back into it. I actually really enjoy doing this show. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to make a little bit of money uh, artistically and creatively um, nowadays with the advent of subscriptions and people actually understanding that, you know, people's time is worth money. I'm trying to figure out a good balance between, you know, I love doing this and giving you all what you want and also possibly trying to make a buck here and there, but not necessarily um, a requisite, more of a tip jar, if you will. Still working the um, wrinkles out, but you know, you're along with the journey, you're along on the journey with me as always. So that's the short version, but I don't want to bore people with my bio. Um, That's five minutes of me rambling. So let's just get back to the show. All right. And to get to the template, let's do a little bit of Today in History. All right, so for today in history, today, November 3rd, 1957, a dog named Laika, L-A-I-K-A, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. With that kind of name, you would expect it to be the Russians. Of course, it was the Russians. They were, he was aboard the Soviet Sputnik 2, and he became the first animal in space, although he, she, I apologize, I assigned a gender. She became the first dog, first animal in space. Although she survived the launch and orbiting, she died before the mission was completed. The goal of the mission was to see if an animal could survive being launched into orbit and live in a microgravity environment. There was no means to return her safely to Earth, so it was planned... Oh my God, this is horrible. Click on that button. So it was planned that Laika would eventually run out of oxygen. Okay. They reported that this had been the case and that she had been euthanized shortly before her oxygen ran out on day six of the mission. However, in 2002 relatively recently, 40-ish years later, the Soviet government revealed that she had actually just died a few hours into the mission from the overheating due to malfunctioning of the spacecraft. Telemetry data indicated she had completed several orbits of the Earth before she died. She's a stray mongrel found on the streets of Moscow. Aw, that sucks. Animal lovers. Today, 1956, uh, the first showing of The Wizard of Oz. A movie classic. It became a TV tradition. It was the first Hollywood film shown uncut in prime time on Coast to Coast Television Network. Very interesting movie. Anybody see the sequels? A little bit more dark. Um, what else? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> November 3rd, 1988. In the prime of Ricky Lake and Geraldo and all the other people. Today, 1988. Talk show host Geraldo Rivera was hit by a chair during a scuffle while taping an upcoming episode called Teen hate mongers Rivera ended up with a broken nose good he gave away like army secrets one time what an idiot uh what else Charles Bronson born today 1921 he's an American actor tough as hell I think he's like five foot two um anything else Dennis Miller was born today 1953 he got his start on Saturday Night Live Roseanne Barr born 1952 lover or hate her um, scrolling, 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 scrolling. 
scrolling. Oh, this is huge. This is so huge. I need to go get a sound effect. Stand by. Yes, you guessed it. If you don't know what that is, you weren't born in the 80s. However, the creator of Batman, Bob Kane, he died today, November 3rd, 1988. 1998, I'm sorry. Uh, that is my generation's Batman theme. Those of you who had the original Batman with... Uh, actually, there was a guy before Adam West. I can't remember his name, so I'm blanking. But that's my Batman theme. Um, there are a couple other ones since that I, I favor, but that song... Um, by the great Danny Elfman, who's constantly worked with um, Tim Burton. Um, gives me the chills hearing it every time. But today, Bob Kane, we remember you. He's an American Hall of Fame cartoonist, creator of Batman, back in 1939. Detective Comics number 27, May of 1939. First appearance of the Batman. I don't even know if we want to end. I'm going to scroll. I don't think anybody can compete with that. Nope. I don't care if you lived or died. Yep. We're going to end on that high note. There is nothing better than Bob Kane. Oh, there's a cat in here. My nemesis. Anyway, that was Today in History. All right. So things are a little rusty. I'll admit it. But let's hop right into a little bit of Arnold Reed's poetry. Yeah, do not go gentle into that good night by Dylan Thomas. Do not go into that gentle good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end no dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gently into that good night. Good men the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight. And learn... Too late, they grieved it on its way. Do not go gently into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. <laughs> rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height. Curse, it's almost done. Bless. Me now with your fierce tears I pray. Do not go gently into that good night. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. All right. 
I think I start every segment with the words, I don't know if you depend on how you spell it, all right, or the words all right. Either way, let's talk some nerd stuff. So a little bit of nerd chat, and it's actually nothing in particular. I actually got to take notes while we do this because it's so random. Um, But I was talking to my good filmmaking buddy and longtime friend Scott um, today, and um, it just brought invoked a lot of topics and conversations, one of which was the Henry Cavill uh, departure from The Witcher. I think season three is his last season. And it brought up a couple interesting points I never thought of. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of nerd chat and a little bit of uh, insider info into the Hollywood machine that is evil. Um, we were talking about one of uh, a film we actually got sold. And uh, one of the interesting things about some films is they'll actually pick a location to shoot at so as to entice actors to come to it. Because if you're actually shooting a film and you're like, well, we're shooting out in the middle of a desert in California that's going to be horrible, a lead actor or whatnot will be like, I don't want to sign on to that. But if you're like, oh, no, we're shooting in the Cayman Islands or Belize or Morocco or whatever, they're like, I'm in. So it's very interesting. There, That's really that's about it actually on that topic but it was an interesting thought that he and I never really fully developed because there's a lot of things you hear about nuances when it comes to like enticing actors and you know they're like well if I can get this actor maybe I can get that actor because sometimes they have the same agent which means that agent is going to get two commission checks so stuff like that is like just you know nature of the beast but it never occurred to me until he and I were actually selling a project and working on a project that sometimes you're like well we're shooting here and that means you want to work with us and it was a fascinating little nuance. It's kind of like when there's people like Scott and I in the wings going, dude, we would shoot in hell to work like professionally at your level, bro. Um, but then we kind of got went down a rabbit hole of like weird little nuances when it comes to contracts. And one I had never thought of, I knew this existed, but I never thought of it, was as I understand it, this isn't like some insider info that, you know, Jeff Bosley knows. But as I understand it, Henry Cavill had like an, an exclusivity um contract with Netflix, which is part of the reason why all of his cameos as Superman couldn't show his face. Uh, not because he's Mr. Busy. He's a busy guy, but he's not like Tom Cruise busy and he's not in tons of stuff and he's not an asshole. Like as far as you can tell, like you actually saw him when he, they had the reveal of the Zack Snyder justice league cut. Um, he actually, um, signed in and actually was live with a bunch of fans on Vero, a platform that's struggling to survive, but he signed in there and was there with, with Snyder. And he's obviously a super cool guy and very supportive. Like I remember a post he posted about, um, uh, the woman he's dating. And, um, I think somebody had said something, there'd been a lot of internet trolls saying he's better looking than she is, or she doesn't, isn't as good looking as a woman as he is a man. And, and he shot him down, but he did it in such a smooth, calm, cool, gentlemanly way. Like, I dig the guy. I know one um, former Green Beret secret squirrel guy that works with him, and uh, he vouches for him, and he says he's a good guy. So anyway, I have this weird mad crush on Cavill. But anyway, so like, on all accounts, he's a good dude. So for him to like not do cameos seemed weird to me, and Scott and I were talking, and as we as we found, I mean, if you can trust the internet and word of mouth, it's not like Cavill told us himself, but he had an exclusivity, um, contract essentially with Netflix 
where he couldn't show his face, basically. And that's a that's not abnormal. I find it abnormal with somebody of his level, but as I understand it, Netflix basically owned his image and he couldn't do anything publicly or, you know, as far as, you know, films or TV that showed his face. And so that's why all the cameos. However, uh, as we may, you all may or may not know, he's not in The Witcher anymore. And coincidence, dum dum dum, his face is shown in Black Adam. Sorry, I should have said spoiler, but I didn't. So, things have changed. And as the internet says, um, he was a massive nerd with The Witcher, and he's really pushed for it, obviously. But as the internet says, a lot of the writers in the writer's room aren't fans of the source material, and they actually openly mock it. And as a result, it's, it's noticeable to uh, Witcher source material fans that the, the show is kind of not honoring the, uh, the heart of the source material. And so a lot of stuff added up to Henry Cavill saying peace, whether you love him or hate him. I obviously have my reservations with The Rock because in every movie he's The Rock playing The Rock about a movie, in a movie about The Rock starring The Rock about The Rock. <laughs> so, but I believe he and Henry Cavill have the same manager. I think it's his Rock's ex-wife or Rock's something, but they have the same manager. Surprise, surprise. Henry Cavill actually showed his face in Black Adam. So some big shit has happened. Henry Cavill on his own Instagram announced he's back. So that's huge if you're a huge uh, Cavill Superman fan, which I am. And love him or hate him, I think, I personally think Snyder did an amazing job. Um, I doubt they'll bring him back for the sequel or he'll come back. I don't know, but I would kill for that because I think he really did an awesome job and it would be less jarring than having a new vision come into the uh, equation. But he Cavill announced on his own Instagram, he's back. So that was an interesting uh, thing I thought about when it came to Hollywood contracts, when it came to uh, exclusivity on his image, he couldn't show his image basically on any projects, which is why all, um, on, uh, what was the other show? Um, Peacemaker at the end of it, you couldn't see his face. Uh, Shazam, you couldn't see his face, but lo and behold, when, uh, the Witcher's done, his face shows up in black Adam. So I, as a nerd, am super stoked. Cavill's a super good guy. I truly think I truly love his interpretation and Zack Snyder's interpretation of him as Superman. And um, in this day and age with with digital de-aging and just the amount of stuff they can do, I mean, the amount, this amount of time can pass and he can come back for a sequel. And a lot of time has passed. I mean, if, if <laughs> old is Jackman now, he's coming back as he swore he never would as Wolverine. And he's playing a younger version of himself. So, I mean, they're going to have to do some shit. And it's all, all, all possible. So, in the nerd world, there's a lot of resurgence. And um, a lot of uh, changes over at DC. Uh, I think his name, I forgot his first name, Hamada. Hamata, I forgot his, he's gone. He was basically DC's version of, of Feige over at Marvel. And he sucked. <laughs> like, he was not good at his job. Um, Feige set the standard over Marvel, but DC just couldn't keep up with it. And, um, I was telling Scott, actually, the interesting thing about the Zack Snyder films is whether you love him or hate him or whatever, but objectively, he's the only filmmaker to have done his, done multiple projects under his, uh, 
his director directorship. So that created a continuity that didn't exist in DC. Whereas in, in Marvel, Feige kind of ran the show for all things, even though they were different directors, uh, the Russo brothers were the, here were in a lot of them. Yes. But at the end of the day, Feige ran all the movies. Whereas in DC, it just, if you happen to have a director that directed multiple films, that created a flow or continuity, and that just happened to be Zack Snyder. Whereas uh, the Samada guy never, he never set up a universe. He never connected the dots. And ironically, James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy fame um, is now the Feige of DC. I'm not sure how I feel uh, to be determined. But without beating to death, sorry, I just drank a lot of water. <laughs> this is good audio right now. That should do today's a uh, little bit of nerd chat, a little bit of ranting and raving about Henry Cavill and the business of Hollywood. Ah, uh, and a little bit of lovey-dovey hippie stuff with a little bit of Jeff's journal. And I wish we were sponsored by the Remarkable Digital Tablet uh, because it's what I take all my notes in. But I just whip it, whipped open my Remarkable Digital Tablet looking at today, November 3rd, 2022, and looking at my journal. And for those of you who are new, old, or have since forgotten because it's taken me about a year to do another show, here is the update. Um, I don't believe in hippie, huggy, ask the universe, talk to Oprah, and things just manifest. I do believe, because I always use this metaphor of uh, when I was in hell getting my green beret, happy thoughts and manifesting and asking Oprah and talking to the secret did not get me my green beret. Buckling down and working my ass off did. I do agree that there's a little bit of visualization. I mean, it's been, I think, proven scientifically, like as athletes who visualize prior to a, a match, a meet or a competition, it does help them. But putting so much weight into just laying on your bed and asking the universe for a million dollars, uh, I say bullshit. Um, I know I know a lot of people mean well with it, you know. But I was I was bitching online about my house being sold, not being sold, and somebody said, "Well, you just need to ask the universe for it and manifest it, and things will happen." Like, no, they will or they won't. Me sitting at home manifesting it in Nebraska isn't going to change shit. But I respectfully say, to each their own. But my point of all that is, is I do write down daily as far as kind of like a mission plan, like things I plan on doing daily. And I try to write down, or I do write down things, something I'm grateful for, something I declare, not like, and I, I use the word declare because it's, it's definitive. It's, it's kind of like it's in stone. Whereas some people want to manifest and it seems wishy-washy. So I write down something I'm grateful for, something I declare and an action I will take for the day. So this is pretty, um, you know, it's, it's a little personal, but maybe it'll help somebody. Um, today I'm grateful for, today I am grateful for the health and wellness that I do have. For those of you who know, I am injured as adult language. Fuck. <laughs> Hamstring is tore. Uh, I have a tore, um, torn meniscus to a torn bicep tendon, a torn rotator cuff, um, and that's just my current acute injuries. I have long-term, long, long-term chronic, 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 chronic injuries, pain, breaks, bones, arthritis, etc. So I try to keep in perspective what I'm grateful for and that I am grateful for the health and wellness that I do have. 
I word it that way because I won't say who, but somebody very close to me in my life was just in a motorcycle accident. He's okay. He's alive, but he lost his leg. He now has a, you know, um, uh, uh, what was I going to say? He now, he, he had to have an amputation. So, you know, he has a fake leg now and it's like moments like that where you're like, holy shit, I'm broken and beat and destroyed and blah, blah, blah. But I have all four limbs and, uh, I messaged him for his birthday and I told him, I was like, man, you have a way better attitude than I have. I would be a whiny little bitch about this. And, you know, and he, he said a lot of kind words and I go, I'm, I'm in awe of what your headspace. So good on you. And then, you know, I had to take away from that. Like, wow, Jeff, you have all four of your limbs. They might not be working, but you have them. So that's what I'm grateful for. That was a long backstory. Today I declared, and this is a little bit wishy-washy, but it's more of like, trying to get yourself in a positive headspace today i wrote i and i declared in my on my line on my line i wrote declare colon i am happy content healthy motivated and encouraged sometimes it might feel like you're writing down the exact opposite of how you feel but i guess that's why you write it down and action uh today i wrote literally and this is a little insight get therapy and that's me closing my remarkable putting the pen on it um, not that there's anything wrong. People don't need to go check on me and do a welfare check. But at the end of the day, we put, I look back at my bro days in bodybuilding. We put so much work into like when I was tuning cars or working on trucks or my Land Cruiser, we obsess over the details of carburetors and ignition timing and all of these things. We go to bro science and we obsess over how many grams of protein we have and how much weight we're lifting and everything physical. But when it comes to mental and I'm, hundred percent guilty of this. We don't do anything about it. Some people are obviously way better at it than myself, but why not work on your mental and your spiritual? And, uh, you know, it's not like, like I said, you know, nobody has to worry about me, but we all have our things and I've, I have a lot building up. The older I get, the things, the, the more, uh, compounded things get. So I wrote it down and lo and behold, I got an appointment next week, you know, just like anything, everything needs work. And, um, so yeah, I got that action done. So that was today's <laughs> little deep, sorry, a little bit of Jeff's journal. And things have changed a lot since I was in my bodybuilder days, as I, as I refer to it, the bodybuilder era of Jeff Bosley. However, the older I get and the more, um, wise, dare I use that word, as I look <laughs> that sound is literally me putting on my glasses because I can't read my notes. Aging is bullshit. The older and wiser I get, the more I look back on fitness in, in a different way. And actually, for those of you who know me and have been with me for a while, um, Betty is, we always use this phrase BC, like we were referencing before Christ. We reference BC when it comes to our past, our past relationships primarily, but also just our past, like pre us. And so there's inherently a BC, uh, vibe with the, what I'm about to say in the following, but having met Betty, um, sounds like I'm super kissing her ass. And I, I, I'm saying this objectively, having met Betty gave me perspective as far as the, I hate, hate, I hate, hate, hate the B word balance when it comes to health and fitness and nutrition and weighing your food and X, Y, and Z. 
And for those of you who've been with me for a while, you know, hey, like when I had to train for a photo shoot and I had to get down to like single digit body fat, yes, shit got real, food was weighed, uh, holiday dinners were ruined, so on and so forth. But does it have to be that way? No. So a little bit of fitness rant today on the Land of Boz. Okay, I'm gonna get a Bowflex. I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna get some dumbbells. You know you can't eat dumbbells, right? All right, a little bit of fitness rant. Uh, with no particular goal <laughs> or end result in mind, pushing 45 and shit gets difficult when you don't have a goal for me, when it was, when I was definitely deep in Hollywood, um, for those first five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, and I just figured I had to, you know, like Chris Hemsworth, they're like, okay, Hey, we love you you're hired. Now can you get ready when you're a newbie? You kind of just always have to be ready because you want to eliminate and mitigate all obstacles. So I was like, all right, well, I got to constantly look like a superhero because I know as a six and a half foot tall guy with blue eyes and muscles and tattoos, odds are I'm going to play superheroes versus, you know, some wimpy everyman. So I was like, all right, time to look like a superhero 24 seven. And with that, like self-induced goal, you know, I weighed my, I did a lot of the bro stuff. I weighed my food. You'd see me with cooler, a cooler and full of food and a gallon of water and don't get me wrong, this shit worked. And, you know, I saw a meme the other day when it came to fitness and it talked about how uh, it said something much more eloquently than I'm going to butcher it, but it said something about how odds are whatever works has already been revealed. There's no new secret. And I use that, that kind of thought process when it comes like, hey, whether people are taking all sorts of enhancements or not, at the end of the day, the simple and boring shit is what works. Yes, we learn new stuff about hormones and all these other things, but at the end of the day, even if Arnold was or was not taking Flintstones multivitamins, or is still, uh, back in the day, they didn't have a lot of science and a lot of stuff. They just ate right and lifted and worked out hard. And that shit doesn't make money. And so that's why we're bombarded with all these gimmicks and things that help or don't help or whatever. But at the end of the day, the boring stuff works. And uh, when I look back on my quote unquote bodybuilding days, chicken and broccoli and water and working my ass off got me the best body I ever had. <laughs> and you know, that's not sustainable though. So my other side of the argument is you have to do something that's, you know, sustainable for lifetime. It doesn't need to be, you know, one of my uh, fitness group I run on or a f uh, Facebook group I run, it originated as a fitness group and um, it was, its tagline was life, uh, fitness is a lifestyle, not a fad. And that's how it should be. It should be something sustainable. That's why so many um, sticky diets don't work because people adhere to them, you know, like times a hundred and then they burn out because they're not sustainable. Whereas the people that have something sustainable can do it for life. And I would, I would bet every bodybuilder or fitness extreme or extreme fitness person or physique competitor or whatever, uh, that listens to this would agree with me. Some of the biggest people, some of the people with the biggest eating disorders and body dysmorphia would be bodybuilders or physique competitors or bikini competitors. And I'm one of them. Uh, it is, it was, you lived a life of nutritional perfection 
and that's not sustainable. And as a result, you are, you, I don't want to say forced because that sounds like out of your control, but you're slightly out of your control and you were slightly quote unquote forced into this yo-yo extreme misery because you, you lived like a cyborg, which isn't sustainable as much as people act like they're badasses and all these things. It's just not sustainable. And the body will crave and the body will cave and the body will justify and the mind will justify and the soul will justify. And people I know, myself included, who lived this extreme bodybuilder, perfect physique, perfect body fat percentage existence have the worst, worst, worst eating disorders and the worst body dysmorphia and the worst habits. And it's, it's something I think I wish a lot of people, uh, a lot of quote unquote, every man would know or understand that what we see, and I'm not using these names as, I can't use them as specifics as far as like, I know this, but you, we see, and I say this as a fan, we see the Chris Hemsworth, the Stallones, the Schwarzeneggers, the whatevers who are lean ripped and gods. And you know, God only knows what they did. It, they, it's the extreme of that. They either had all their food handed to them, which is great, which is very much like when I was a bodybuilder, shit was perfect. And when it's perfect, things are perfect. You look perfect or, and I'm not saying I know or don't know this, but, or they're enhanced with Jeanette with a little bit of uh, Flintstones vitamins, which makes things way easier. They still work their ass off, but it's way, 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 way easier. So we don't know that. And that's not something you don't see that person day in and day out. And it's just something I wish a lot of people knew otherwise. And it's not like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I wish people could see what I see because I'm a wise man on the mountain. But <laughs> I am a wise man on the mountain. Um, it is a definite balancing act. And anybody who thinks the rock looks like he does and doesn't have 300 assistants or cooks or whatever, handing him a, a Tupperware full of perfectly cooked and weighed food is an idiot to think that that isn't happening. <laughs> um, and it's, it, that is the case. And it's, it's not reflective of a real human being. I don't even know where this rant was going, but that was my rant today on fitness. All right, as we wrap up this first episode in just under a year, we're hitting the 40-minute mark. Um, a little bit of in intellectual discussion. What am I reading? Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. I can go anywhere. to know and ways to grow. All right. What am I reading? Well, I've been trying to be really good about sleep hygiene. And for those of you who don't know, basically sleep hygiene is pretty much like it sounds maintaining some sort of hygienic scheduling protocol when it comes to your sleep same wake times same bedtimes um, things you do before bed things when you do when you wake up a lot of stuff from um, the Huberman lab if you don't know who that is maybe that'll be an entire another podcast but part of that is is not watching tv up until the second you go to bed not watching tv in bed and so at night, I've been trying to go to bed. When I go to bed, I read for about 30 minutes rather than watch TV. And so I was like, well, let's pull out an old book. And I'm trying to be better about, and not a self-help book, not something that needs to be deeply engaging, but something that you can just kind of get lost in. 
And so one night I was really struggling to get some sleep. And of course I made tea because that's what they do in the movies. And I went down to our uh, basement and we have a lot of books actually. <laughs> and I looked, just kind of stared at the bookshelves and I came across Jurassic Park. I've read that more times than I can count. It's actually the first book I remember reading and being thoroughly just enthralled by. Uh, we were required to read it, I think, in seventh grade. And um, sadly, I think I gave away my original soft co- softback or paperback copy, um, but I have a hard hardbound copy. And I opened it up, and actually inside it, my mom wrote a sweet message, and then one of the things is uh, sleep well. And I found that really ironic because I was reading it because I couldn't sleep. And so what I'm currently reading is Jurassic Park um, by Michael Crichton. And for those of you who don't know, and you've just been saturated by the Chris Pratt movies, which have just completely deviated from the original movie. And I think maybe it was Michael Crichton or one of the directors, they said, we should have never made any sequels. <laughs> but the book, if you're a reader, it is so good. The movie did quite, did it pretty good justice. Don't get me wrong. You know, you, you have if you've read Michael Crichton, you know that guy hits you with some details. And so they did quite a, quite a good job um, uh, sifting through what needed to be on film and what didn't. And I, I truly think the movie captured it. And even if it didn't capture it, the score uh, by John Williams, I believe, uh, of Star Wars fame crushed it. The soundtrack is just amazing. So you know what? Yeah, let's, let's do – this is horrible for a book, but I'm going to play the trailer – for the movie Jurassic Park. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Go! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Yeah, so when that first came out, it was the... On every vacation at a verbal Hold home, there's someone like you. Good Lord, sorry. Day one back, it's been a year, give me a break. So for those of you who were around when that first came out, that was before Marvel, that was before everything had CGI. It was the first of its kind. Uh, George, not George Lucas, Steven Spielberg directed. And it was the first time we saw dinosaurs on screen digitally. And to be honest... It's more real and believable than some of the digital bullshit we see now. And it truly captured, it, it honestly captured the book. They had to, look, it's film, it's entertainment, it's Hollywood. They have to capitalize on it. They have to make a profit. They have to make it appealing to a wi- the widest audience possible to make as much money as possible. Fine, I get it. But with that being said, they didn't, they didn't do too bad of a job, in my opinion, deviating from the book and honoring it and also commercializing it as necessary. The little bit of nerd in me. In the books, the vehicles they were touring around the park in on the little uh, motor, the tracks were Land Cruisers. 
In the movie, they used Ford Explorers. And I'm a massive Land Cruiser fan. That pissed me off. <laughs> For those of you who know, I had a Land Cruiser um, since I was 15. It burned to the ground in the LA fires. Crushed my soul, made me really, really sad. It's uh, the vehicle I learned to drive a stick in. Stop, I thought I turned that off, sorry. And it's also the vehicle I lost my virginity in. So yeah, uh, a Land Cruiser. But that's what I'm reading now, Jurassic Park. For those of you who have not read it and actually want um, a, or are good with books that have a lot of detail, and it, Michael Crichton doesn't like blow your mind as far as the science, but he does not pull many punches scientifically. So it's, it's, it's quite an elaboration on the film. If you've only seen the film and want to read the book, it's, it's a great, um, adjunct to the book if, or the movie, if you will. So that's what I'm reading. I, and to, to sleep hygiene practice, cre- practices credit. I only read probably about five pages and I'm out, not because the material is boring, but because of sleep hygiene. Don't watch movies before bed. Just simply read a book, enjoy yourself, and about five pages in, you're like, you know what? I'm going to turn the lights off and go to sleep. But that is what I'm reading. Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. And that is the end of this week's episode, or Thursday, November 3rd, 2022, The Land of Boz. Um, I will get back into the groove. Uh, we, for those of you who know, uh, we definitely need to bring back cowboy term and sex cowboy term or sex term. Hell, maybe my new roommate slash, um, I call her pre-wife because I've yet to propose, but she will be my wife someday. <laughs> but, um, uh, maybe one, maybe we'll do an episode. Hell, maybe this one, maybe I'll edit this in because I'm recording this. I don't record it live. I, I record it and then, and do a lot of post-production editing. Maybe I'll bring Betty in and she'll do cowboy term or sex term with us. Um, but yeah, so that is the end as of now for today's episode, Thursday, November 3rd of the land of Boz. And this, this, this show is fun as hell. And I guess we can call it the tip jar. It feels really gross. Um, whatever you feel like doing, I really appreciate it. I actually have a file I should probably be looking at right now when it comes to um, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to, uh, <sighs> you would think I would have this memorized by now, but I don't when it comes to the show. But at the end of the day, uh, the show will be on Patreon. It's going to be uploaded to Spotify. Actually, I think Spotify did a little bit of flagging when it came to some of the stuff I played as far as like copyrighted material. Oh, well, <laughs> I kind of don't care anymore. So it might not be on Spotify. But it's going to be on iTunes, and it's going to be on Patreon, and however you want to help hook a brother up. Um, my stomach just growled. But yeah, go to iTunes, write review, and you can go to, um, at the bottom of this, I'll have, I mean, for those of you who get super ambitious, I have a Venmo, a PayPal, and a, an Amazon link if you want to hook a brother up. Because yeah, at the end of the day, this was about three hours, I'm going to do an hour of post-production, it is kind of a pseudo part-time job. So I appreciate it at the end of the day. But regardless, I appreciate you listening. This has been the Land of Boz for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. And until next week, please go forth, conquer, kick ass, be relentless. <laughs>